talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello, and welcome once again to More Like the Worst Wing, the podcast where here in 2020 Hell World, we take a rose-tinted glance back at Aaron Sorkin's seminal work, The West Wing, from a bit more of a lefty socialist perspective. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And today's episode is Election Night, which covers, you'd be surprised to hear, the night of the election for President Bartlett's second term in office. Also the day of the election, but the episode doesn't really call attention to that in the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does go throughout the entire day. I guess election day and night would have been a clunky, <laughs> clunky yeah. title. That's hard to fit on the back of a DVD <laughs> So we start the whole thing out with, frankly, a pretty funny on its face prank of Josh. Yes, we're, t- we're two in a row for prank funny cold opens now. <laughs> yep, where Josh goes to vote and he is recognized and asked questions about the act of voting itself and the technicalities of marking your choice on a given ballot by a bunch of people who are like, oh, I, I did it wrong. Right. Whoops. And right. he gets worked up and worked up and worked up. And then they eventually come around to be like, gotcha, motherfucker. I believe the specific line is Toby Ziegler says $10. Yeah. <laughs> so it is actually specifically calling back to last episode's prank cold open. And it is Toby getting his revenge uh, on Josh, which yeah. is, you know, Toby should be getting revenge on a lot more people because it wasn't just Josh involved in pranking Toby. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but it, it's actually really like, again, on his face, it's actually pretty funny because that's yes. a, that's a fun thing to try and organize because, you know, these polling places aren't exactly like, you know, you aren't just milling around inside a public space like you're right. there and you have to know. But the kind of the theme that then will continue through the rest of the episode, given that the episode itself is focused heavily on the act of and the time for voting, yes. is that Josh is like... The, the objections that he has and like this moralizing like no you did it wrong you stupid asshole go fix your vote type of thing uh-huh is very much like the quintessential neoliberal rules follower like yes. we have this system and therefore you personally are responsible for operating within it right. whereas the easiest no matter how complicated it may seem <laughs> Well, yeah, and whereas the easiest possible solution to every problem that these character, that these like improv people have, and then that later Donna has with her ballot because mm-hmm. she votes absentee in Wisconsin, where she's from, and ends up incorrectly selecting the entire Republican <laughs> ticket. <laughs> um, because, and they're like, and Josh goes to her too and goes like, "No, dummy, right? Like, you, you did voted it wrong. straight ticket Republican yeah. there." And how about instead of like moralizing to individuals about how stupid they are about this opaque, like you said the word perfectly, Byzantine process, how about you just fucking make it easier to vote? Yeah, you have that power. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's really great because one of the improv troopers who's pranking Josh says like, oh, I just filled out, uh, I, I ranked my candidates by choice. And it's like, oops. Her accidental trolling is actually a much better voting system than the one we actually have. <laughs> you could, you could, and New York City has literally just do that. Yes. Instead of, like, 
again, and she's he's like, well, no, you have to mark each candidate in one column, not each column for one candidate. And it's all like this ballot design garbage, which again is intentional. It right. is done with intent, not necessarily uh, broadcast as a method of disenfranchisement, but ends up being that way because holy, like I can't fucking remember how to mark my ballot without literally being told in the booth. Like right. I read the thing every time just to make sure. And right. that's me. I have all day to yes. vote. I'm not feeding kids. Like right. I'm not going yeah. to be fired Imagine from coming my job. In, coming in after your fucking 12 hour factory shift, tired, exhausted with a kid screaming on you and trying to figure out this complicated ballot garbage. Yeah. And so it actually, it, it plays forward with, Donna's storyline. We can dig into yeah, that a little let's bit. Just she then go for like, it. Oh, I, I just say she goes out and attempts to reconcile and balance out the fact that she voted for for Governor the wrong Ritchie. party, right? <laughs> for the party she did not want to vote for. So yes, she goes out and actually tries to grab a voter before they enter the polling place to tell them, "Look, hey, I meant to vote straight ticket Democrat, but I voted straight ticket Republican. If you're going to go vote straight ticket Republican, can you instead switch to straight ticket Democrat and that way <laughs> our my mistaken vote will be canceled out?" Because this is how much importance that like Americans place on their individual vote. It's it's insane. And it's even more insane because the episode keeps throwing up in huge numbers on the screen what the actual vote totals yeah. are throughout <laughs> the night. And Bartlett has a lead of millions even by like 4 p.m. So Donna's fucking obsession with making sure her one vote gets like quote unquote invalidated or balanced out or whatever the hell is just so stupid. Yeah, and again, like the 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 energy and the effort put forward to like to contort oneself into the system as it's designed could just be spent like a tenth of that energy into being like Oh yeah, if we actually really wanted to do this for people, we could we could just it. change it. By the way, I work at the White House. I could probably talk to some people and maybe like get big changes done. But no, I'm gonna spend eight hours out in the cold trying to grab one voter and get them <laughs> to cancel out my one vote. Yeah, and so what's what's funny is the one voter she ends up grabbing and convincing is <laughs> well, hello, big ticket guest star. It's Christian Slater. Hey, you've been in fuck? movies and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, he'll, he will, um, continue on in the next episode, I remember, because we find out, we don't find out in this episode, but we find out next episode, he's actually coming to work at the White House, uh, like he's just starting. Uh, he was a Navy, he worked on submarines for the Navy, uh, and now he's like some military advisor, low-rank military advisor to the president, but, uh, one important enough to get a White House office, or yeah. something like that. But that, we'll tackle all that next episode, but yeah, he shows up here, and him and Donna basically have a weird meet cute. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, with with because she's doing this voting thing and she gets him and he's the first guy. She's run into a couple other Republicans beforehand. One guy who's just sort of like your dumb Republican who's like, I, I don't understand what the fuck you're doing. I'm just gonna go vote, lady. You're weird. 
<laughs> and then one who's like a young college Republican in a fucking bow tie who's like, huh, well, it seems that if Bartlett is the smart candidate and yet his administrative assistant for his deputy chief of staff voted wrong, it seems like he's not actually that smart. <laughs> and she's like, fuck off, fascist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really Which actually, is great. <laughs> Really great that she she goes like yeah like get the fuck out of here <laughs> go, go home really you little fascist, little fascist. <laughs> your guy's gonna lose anyway <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's it's, actually it's great that's actually pretty well done so that but then Christian Slater is the first like person who nicely accepts her request and and you know and that's this is our West Wing visual shorthand for oh what a good guy he is you know look he helped out Donna. Yeah, and it's it's actually because the thing she keeps um, like invoking as a reason to, is she's like this is an honor thing, and right. it's like, and then he doesn't even want to look at her photocopied ballot because he goes it's an honor thing, right? And it's like oh da 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 uh, da, yeah. da. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Yeah, it's like, and it's a very sweet <laughs> moment or whatever. Um, th- I'll say this, at least this episode, after the few clunkers we've had beforehand, is, like, light and entertaining, and there's not really much plot to dig into, because it's just, you know, it is what it's, it says on the tin. It's an election episode. There's an election, Bartlett wins it handily, uh, and not much plot-wise actually happens, other than, yeah. uh, two minor subplots that we'll, uh, we'll talk about later in the episode. Well, so, and the, um... That, I think that also is, it's just interesting that they devote an entire episode to the day of because they're sort of drama mining these potential problems, which is like, okay, right. cool. Like if you want to narrow your scope for like the, the one episode to the, the day of thing, okay, yeah, like come up with some funny technicality stuff or like, sure. you know, do something. But it's also sort of sending a little bit of a message, which I'm sure is unintentional, but it just sort of reads that way where... It's just like these things are to be expected to happen and it's never a critique of them. It's just like, oh gosh, <laughs> gee golly, like look at what, look at what, yeah. you know, the, the, the daily rigmarole of voting. Isn't is our about. system funny? <laughs> <laughs> like well, that's, yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to tell like the story that I mentioned last night, basically like a, a very real world 2020 example, which again, all of these things are pertinent this year in particular. Right. Um, Emma was, my wife was telling me last night that in Texas, the state government is, you know, all up for election. The the representatives are all up for election and they stand a very, very good chance of flipping the house to the Democrats, which would be a big fucking deal in the state of Texas. Sure. And this is the first year where the Republican controlled board of elections in Texas has eliminated the straight ticket option Mm. on your ballot. So the real world fallout of this is that voters who have voted in Texas ever at this point now are likely to go into the booth, check the Democratic name at the top of the ticket, which in years past would automatically vote for every every other down ticket Democrat. Democrat. Mm -hmm. It acts like a straight ticket vote. And now... That if they vote for the top of the ticket and leave everything else blank deliberately, thinking they'll be voting for straight ticket, those will not be voted for. They will so, only like, be voting for the top of the ticket. Yeah. And so these sorts of changes can be huge. And and will be deployed maliciously, right. I think. 
and, and strategically based on what party is currently in power. So right. these things all come back to, you know, like fair representation and uh, frankly, a codified system of disenfranchisement that we all labor, labor under and it sucks. Right. <laughs> right. It's none of and none of this gets brought up in the episode at all. The idea that we could make voting easier, that we can make voting better, that you know something like a ranked choice system actually gives voters more of a of a choice in in who they support and stuff like that. None of this is even remotely breached, uh, and it's all just these little individual sort of like morality plays slash funny stories about oh how I voted today. And, it, you know, the, the show has an opportunity here and just completely squanders it. Yeah. And I mean, and sort of masks it in the fact that it's a landslide for the president anyway. Right. So, so, so who, who, cares? who fucking cares? Yeah. Exactly. Like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's uh, it's upsetting to both of us that they, they keep showing the popular vote totals throughout the episode. <laughs> like it happens, you know, they, they keep coming back to it every hour or whatever. So about five or six times throughout the episode, we get big credit style, you know, vote totals showing up on the screen, not only showing Bartlett and Richie's vote totals, but also the Horton Wild campaign, which is the dead man campaign being run by Will Bailey out in the California 47th, aka Orange County. Uh, and that race is also really, really close throughout the episode, which is, that's actually more of the interesting part because the Bartlett thing is a foregone conclusion. We already knew from the end of the debate that, you know, when Richie's like, I'm finished. (laughs) (laughs) It's been signaled as such. Right. And so we just get to see the vote totals climb and climb. But annoyingly, we don't get to see the electoral votes at all. And I think uh, the next episode, we'll get more about which states he won. We get some of that this episode when, like, the first East Coast exit polls start coming out. And they start announcing, like, Delaware goes for the president. Maryland goes for the president. And crucially, he wins New Hampshire. Right, which is a big uh, to-do for him. It's it's kind of, it's nicely done where uh, CJ just wordlessly walks into the Oval Office, pours in, like, a big thing of scotch, (laughs) hands it to him, and is about to, like, you know, we have news mr president and it sounds like really somber and i actually it actually got me for a split second i'm like oh shit is there a subplot i forgot about where like there's a big international crisis in this episode or something because that's the mood cj is putting on is like "Uh uh-oh there's been some bombing in kumar or something like that is what you think she's about to say and then she goes you just won New Hampshire and her and Leo <laughs> do the big slow smile. And then Martin Sheen does the big slow smile. And it's, it's a beautiful little moment. Yep. Uh, but um, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and discuss some of the other non-election subplots in this episode. So, uh, in non-election related news, um, Toby and uh, Andy 
uh, aka Congresswoman Wyatt, uh, go have a prenatal uh, health visit done. Um, there's also a little bit with C- where CJ is like, uh-oh, the press knows that Andy's pregnant. Um, because, like, the Congressional Health Office leaked it out or something like that. Uh, and she's like, well, you know, we kind of, we need to get ahead of this so it doesn't become, like, a PR problem. Which, on election day, is fucking laughable, yeah. <laughs> by the way. <laughs> what like, problem please, could you have? Like, what story is coming out today that is not about the election? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? And it also <laughs> like, like if any if anything, this is the best day to, to leak <laughs> something like this because it will be completely forgotten. Well, and you're you're about to be reelected to Congress today, so right. you are the furthest time out from right. when something could actually from impact from when constituents will care. Because if you tell them now, by the time next election rolls around, they'll be like, "She has a kid." Yeah. <laughs> uh what's her last name again i forget (laughs) i just vote straight ticket anyway (laughs) Uh, so so yeah um there's about like 10 seconds spent on like the political implications of andy being pregnant and uh also them not being remarried which toby is still pushing for and uh credit given where credit is due andy keeps pushing back on yes Uh, she's not she's not being worn down in any sort of way like one might expect were this like a romantic comedy movie or, yeah. what, or what have you. So uh, g- good on you show for at least like Andy sticks to her fucking cards during all this. And is like, no, Toby, I'm not remarrying you. I have had the unique experience of already having been married yeah. to you. <laughs> I know it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's a little bit spent on the quote unquote political implications of a baby being born out of wedlock or whatever, but there's also sort of this like tacit acknowledgement that, Hey, it's the two thousands, you know, it's actually not that big a deal anymore. Uh, and then most of the episode is just sort of spent on like, Oh, babies, aren't they cute? Yeah. And so I think now that you mentioned it, it is like, there is this weird, we're in a bit of a liminal time here where it's like, yes, it's the 2000s, go for it type of thing. Mm-hmm. But also mm-hmm. like the the show and the writing takes it as a given that it's like people people will find this adorable and people will just like there's a universal constant here that is baby heaven that right. everybody is going to care deeply and like further entrench themselves in the world of the show which i mean i disclaimer i don't have kids i'm never <laughs> going to have kids um but like i just i love kids but i also i just don't care like right. seeing a sonogram right okay and partic- particularly a fictional one you know yeah. it's different if a real life friend is having a real life baby i will care about that these are fictional characters having a fictional baby it's, you know, it's another level of degree of separation there that makes it harder to, to, to have empathy for this fake baby. And just, I, it is, it is very much a, there, there's, it's the traditional thing of, oh, yes. of course there's going to be a storyline about people falling in love and there's going to be a hetero relationship that results in reproduction that is, right. it's well, very worn uh, on its sleeve because it's. To com- be fair, at least they don't fall in love. So it, it has that going for it. And I mean, I just think it's it is completely out of sync with the rest of the episode. Because Absolutely, they, like I said, in in uh, they could have come out of like this is us. 
Like, it's, it feels like it's something out of a different show entirely. All these scenes with Toby and Andy in the gynecologist's office and stuff like that. They feel like they're from a completely different show. And they bring it back. They bring He brings the pictures back to the White yeah. House and spends the remainder of the episode sort of... Fawn, fawning you know, all over them. Fawning yeah. on them. And, and everybody in the office, like CJ makes some commentary about it. And it's, ah, oh, And... Look uh, at the baby. It just seems it seems very s- cynical. I don't think cynical is the right word for it. it just Not seems... cynical. I think like like I said, this is just something that every show did after yes. a while. You know, if you were if you were running out of ideas, have someone on the cast have a child. You know, Friends did it. Scrubs did it. It happens in sitcoms. It happens in dramas. It happens in, like in any show that goes on long enough where the cast are, you know, adults in their sexual maturity capable of having children. Yeah. Yeah. And it just happens. I mean, uh, okay, that's fine. It's as an, like a trope. Because it's an easy storyline to write. It has, it has beats already built into it. If you want to add drama, you can add like health complication drama. Thankfully, the show doesn't mind that cheap vein of, of yes. drama <laughs> at all. And as far as I recall, Andy has a perfectly normal pregnancy other than the fact that they're twins. Um, but yeah, there's so many easy easy story beats to be mine and so it's just it feels like a crutch like yes. a writing crutch uh and like i said it just doesn't mesh with the show at all because if the sh- if it was the west wings version of this would be entirely focused on the political side of it and not the actual oh look at the ultrasound it has a heartbeat like it, it like if it was gonna do it proper west wing style it should be all cj's concern about it like yeah and it the whole be like, thing of damage control <laughs> Right, like, that should be, like, the main focus. But that all goes out the fucking window right away just so that we can fawn over fictional babies again. Well, and speaking of other babies, the other kind of subplot line is uh, uh, Charlie's mentee, Anthony, brings yes. brings a, a giant friend of his, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he's a big boy. Uh, he, he, is a, he is a defensive tackle um, at Anthony's high school who is already bound for college football. Um, and it's obvious to see why. Who oh boy, what like an absolute, what an tall. absolute fucking unit of a of a lad. <laughs> like, good God. Uh, there's a great bit where he's walking through the halls, and Josh is not like looking where he's going. Turns a corner, runs into him, and just sort of bounces off him <laughs> onto the floor, and is like, "You should play football." <laughs> well, I, I like, also like. I, it's very clever. He just says, "Well, I'm trying to, but I got I got head up for this open can of paps." Yeah, and then Josh has no context. He's just like, uh, okay. Um, so yeah, he's here because uh, because of the open can of paps. He wasn't he wasn't drunk driving, but he had an open container, uh, and that's like just enough of a problem that got him like pulled from practice uh, or pulled from the game this Saturday. Yeah, and um, and so they're they're trying to sort it out, and so Anthony brought him to Charlie to be like, hey. You're smart. You could probably help out with this in some way. Can you give us a hand? And, you know, Charlie's like, oh, it's election day. I'm kind of busy, blah, blah, blah. It comes out in the course of talking to each other that Anthony is actually 18 and able to vote. And so Charlie sort of has his project for the day. He's like, okay, we're going to take you to vote. Uh, and that and it becomes this little, like, sort of civics 101 parable, yes. I guess. But, you know, there's enough funny comedy beats in there with... You know, the interactions between Anthony, uh, the tackle who's named Orlando Kettles. Orlando uh, Kettles. 
which is a which is a fantastic football player name. Jackson Flaxen Waxen Maxen. <laughs> exactly. De Glester Hot Dunkachud. <laughs> Dolphin noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, so you know, and there's the inherent comedy and just sort of like watching this giant man <laughs> around these other normal sized yeah. people. <laughs> Um, which is which is always funny. Well, um, so I guess my my question is I don't know if it's ever resolved. Is that is Charlie able to help the guy in this I, episode? It's it's unclear. Okay. Uh, I I feel like the implication is that he does, but I'm pretty sure we don't actually get any resolution of the issue itself, other than the kid is like, I want to go play on Saturday because that's what I do on Saturdays. I play football, and Charlie's like, Well, you're going to you know whatever Big Ten school even if you miss this last high school game or whatever. Sure. And he's like, he's like, Hey man, it's what I do. And it's like, Oh, okay. And, and Charlie like respects that, I guess. And that's like our moment of, well, and, I don't know. And he gets, he gets excited about voting. He goes and votes. He's like, yeah, that right. ruled. I want to go again. I like there's, there's one line here where, you know, Charlie is, is sort of like, kind of you know kind of being friendly but also kind of like scolding them the whole time of like oh why do you have an open can of paps why do you other have like other misdemeanors on your record from when you stole another school's goat mascot uh and stuff like that and he's just kind of being like the scolding figure the whole time and then there's a great line where they're about to vote and uh orlando kettles says to charlie like look i might not be the sharpest tool in the shed or whatever but you try rushing the quarterback you're not gonna get there (laughs) Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I like that. <laughs> yeah, like, and, you know, you're all Mr. Smart Man. And, yeah, it's like, I'm we all, also we all, good at stuff. We all have our things we're good at, yeah. you know? Don't 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 act better than me. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, after after his initial sort of asshole thing, you, you see the softer side. Charlie, Charlie gets better. Yeah, he does get better. And, by you know, by the end, it's like, oh, they're all friends now. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's this cute sort of, like, low-stakes plot line but and it sort of it ties into the election because orlando goes and votes but you know it ultimately has nothing to do with the main well, plot of the episode and, really. and again i think we hold the show to what i would love to be a higher standard because there is a shitload of things you could talk about oh my god three yeah. young black men in right. the white house together and like they're the and only talking ones. about these these small crimes that might be big problems for this kid who has a big potential future ahead of him that could that could be in danger because of like these small misdemeanors that are going to be treated much more harshly because he's a black man. Yep. Yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, we have nothing of that, nothing at all, and you know nothing about like the school to prison pipeline, which you know that term didn't really exist at this point, but like the idea was already there of oh, like yeah. you know the you know. Nothing about the way the criminal justice system aggressively targets black people. Nothing of any of that is. It's just like, oh, lol. I had an open can of Pabst. <laughs> like, yeah. But again, yeah. We, we hold there's it a lot. To a there's a lot standard. you could. You're right. There's a lot you could mine out of this, but the show doesn't want to. They just want to have this lighthearted, kind of funny Charlie story for Charlie to carry out in the what is the C plot of the episode, effectively. Uh, and I suppose that's okay. Like, fine. You know, it's it's a TV show. It's low stakes. It's funny. It's cute. Again, this episode moves a lot better than some of the more recent ones because of these nice little cute, funny moments, keeping it kind of lighthearted and keeping the the episode moves pretty well. Yes. It's it's paced well. 
And um, the, just, let, let's take a brief break and we can talk about sort of the, the last thing that goes through the episode, which is um, President Bartlett's MS um, resurges, unfortunately. Yes. Uh, before we get to that, okay. I do. I want to talk about one other quick subplot on this episode. We'll just do a minute or two, which is the Will Bailey stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so so as we said earlier, the Horton Wilde uh, vote total is really, really close throughout the whole night. Uh, it's going back and forth. It's sometimes Wilde pulls ahead by a couple hundred votes and other times his opponents ahead by a couple hundred votes. Uh, we, we get some cuts back to Will Bailey in his, you know, mattress store slash campaign office. Where he's, you know, he's freaking out. He's like, okay, send these guys, you know, send the van over here. There's more foot traffic. You know, he's making all these last minute decisions. And they're and they're hoping for rain. Um, there's apparently like an, a quote unquote El Nino thing going on in Southern California. And it's going to rain at some point. And they want the rain because it turns out. Uh, in close races like this, when it rains, you get more of the, uh, you know, the people who actually care to win, aka the underdog in this case, and you'll get, you depress the turnout of the, the team that's expected to win, the overdog? (laughs) What's what's the, (laughs) um... But, uh, yeah, so at one point, Will is like, come on, rain, and, like, literally just goes out in the street to, like, beg the rain gods for rain, and, a, and in, a, in a funny moment, just literally goes, now! And that's it when they decide thundering. to turn on the fucking sprinklers, and, yeah. like, it just, it, the sky's open, and it just starts deluging, and, like, I didn't know I could do that! <laughs> well, and, um... Like, the whole thing is the... It's tied back a couple episodes now where it's Sam offered to go right. be in Congress if they wanted right. to so see... Right, Sa- so Sam is super concerned with all this now because he's starting to realize, like, uh-oh, I might, you know... I, I offered this because I knew there wasn't a chance in hell that Horton Wilde's dead campaign could win, but oops, it looks like Horton Wilde's campaign could win. And there's a hilarious moment where Josh is, Josh is like, oh, don't worry, the, you know, they're down 20 points in the exit polls. And uh, and Will is trying to tell him, like, no, man, I'm getting exit polls right now saying that we're winning. And then Josh is like, by the way, that was a week ago. Yeah, uh, and the DNC fucking left town. And that actually wasn't an exit poll. That was just tracking. <laughs> uh, and then Sam gets to be, like, all fucking worried again. So, like, that's kind of funny. Um, and it's, it's very emblematic of like a shit the DNC would do <laughs> like, oh, we just left town cause we knew this race was fucking worthless and wasn't gonna, you know, we had no chance of winning and then oops, we won. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and keeping in mind that like, this is, this is in the real world, the way for Sam Seaborn's character to exit the show. Correct. So yeah, now so they're gonna have Horton Wild win, and then Sam has to fulfill his promise to Horton Wild's widow, come back and run in the special election. Where spoilers, he will get trounced, um, <laughs> and and lose to the Republican or whatever. Um, and so therefore, he uh, he effectively gets written out as like, well, now you're a congressional loser, and therefore no one wants to deal with you ever again, or something like that. Um, it's, and it's just, which, is, which is weird and stupid because, as we all know, congressional losers keep popping back up over and over with the Democratic Ossoff. Party. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> exactly. Uh, so, okay. So that, that was pretty much all okay. I wanted to okay. say. Uh, and now we can take a quick break and then come back and talk about the Parsons MS. These are the things that make me free. 
And welcome back. And so for our final segment, we wanted to discuss uh, the president's MS, which starts acting up earlier in this episode when he gets handed some papers to sign in the limo uh, after he votes. Uh, there's a funny, funny little diversion where, you know, the press ask Bartlett, you know, and, and Mrs. Bartlett who they voted for. And, and, you know, they have a cute little thing about that. But then he goes to the car and Charlie's like, okay, here's some papers to sign in the car. But his hand is shaking too much. Uh, to be able to sign them clearly, and um, and he sort of struggles with that. And he kind of does like the Doctor Strange love thing of like clamping his own mm-hmm. hand down to to prevent it from uh, doing stuff he doesn't want it to do. Um, so it's clear that the MS is starting to like affect him more today. Like he's having a bad MS day, and then so that's kind of all we get of it until the wrap up party uh, at the actual you know end well, of no, the they, night. Uh, he's there's, offic- there's a scene where. Uh, um, uh, Debbie Fitterer is retrofitting his office oh, right, right. with new communication Correct. stuff. And she's like, well, Correct. It's, it's my system. And the whole thing is is kind of a, I don't know, it's like a throwaway thing. It's like, oh, remember Mrs. Landingham? Feels sad again. A little bit. But, yeah, a little but bit. the implication is that he actually asked Well, it's her, not just the implication. She says, she says outright that, like, the reason we're placing all your calls through me now is you might not remember some of the calls you might Ooh, place. Which is fucking bleak. And right. then, um, like, he asks her explicitly, says, is this because you noticed something today of all days? Right. When he's... Right, like, he's like, did you notice I'm having a yeah. bad day or whatever? And she's like, no, no, we're just doing it because, you know, we're aware of the risks. Um, well, and... So it's... I'd- it's not it's not visible to other people, but he's concerned that it and might. So, be. like, I noticed that technically this scene has a departure from how the rest of the episode is shot, and it's very much a there's a lot of um, soft kind of blurring in the camera, and there's a lot of halo lighting happening, and it's very jarring in sort of like if, mm. if as you visually take it in, like you know if you're an astute observer of the that. show, like yeah. you know what they're talking about. So, like, you know, talk, talk, blah, blah, but it is, they, for some reason, they chose to almost do, like, a flashback type of um, film, just film lighting stock and, and lighting. And presentation. Yeah, of yeah. this scene, which is very bizarre yeah. to me, but, and it doesn't, obviously, it doesn't really go anywhere until. Not really. Yeah, but then at the end of the night with the victory yes speech. so so then yeah he's having this big acceptance speech um thing and um he's reading off the teleprompter and for the f- first couple of paragraphs that we see him read off he does fine and abby's right behind him but then uh he misses the third paragraph and he doesn't say exactly what's on the prompter and kind of in a funny bit of comedy <laughs> the guy running the prompter like scrolls yeah. it back to be like oh, oh shit he's off page he's off page fuck a uh, poor poor guy back there is like freaking out uh, running the prompter um and then you know so in a in a classic little bit of political maneuvership you can just if you're the president you can just and you've been speaking for any length of time at any point you can just go god bless you and god bless america and just get a big cheer and end your yeah, speech it's right like there, pulling a rip which is exactly what he does <laughs> yeah so he does that and then abby immediately is like uh, you need, you need some water, honey. I noticed you, uh, you missed the little, uh, end there on the prompter. And he's like, yep, couldn't see it. <laughs> and she's like, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, and she's like, okay, well, we're, we're in the thick of it now. Uh, there's going to be more bad days than, than good days at this point. She's kind of like 
doctor breaking the news to him of like, okay, you're you're back in the thick of the MS, it seems like. And in what it what is huh, unfortunately become a apt metaphor for the Joe Biden's campaign, she says, but don't worry, uh, if you have like executive cognitive function breakdown or whatever, we're gonna surround you with plenty of smart advisors who are gonna make sure that they do all the president's work for you, okay, big oh, boy? Yeah. Um <laughs> In in 2020, especially, this is like, wow. Uh. Yeah. And, well, what's funny is the show, the show will have Bartlett struggle with his MS more and more, but it's almost all the physical end of it that we end up seeing. There's one point where he has a trip to China and he's like physically laid up and he has to be in a wheelchair uh, and stuff like that. But we never really tackle with any cognitive uh, difficulties in any way. Uh, he's always cognitively aware, like, even on that China trip, he ends up doing, like, some big diplomacy with China, because, you know, he's so smart or whatever, so we never actually tackle this cognitive function breakdown aspect of it, conveniently, for the show. Yeah, um, I mean, and as far as, as far as I know, it is, the, the, with the disorder itself, the cognitive decline is less of a it's a knock-on effect of the peripheral motor right it's not it it is not the main thing the main thing is the physical symptoms that's true but the show never even deans to to focus on the cognitive aspect of it at all other than in this particular moment where he misses the prompter speech like i i honestly don't think we get a moment like this again going forward and i'll correct myself if i'm wrong (laughs) if we if we do get those yeah. moments but i'm pretty sure the show just like doesn't tackle it at all but in this particular episode it's bit you know it's an effective subplot of like and again this goes back to the show never letting us truly have a big win without having some element of like bittersweet thrown in there and so this is their version of that it's like okay well you just got this big landslide huge election win you know in theory nothing should be bad for our characters at all this is the apex of their Mm -hmm. triumph um but uh uh-oh turns out bartlett's ms has taken a turn for the worse and that way we can keep it a little dramatic, even though they are having their rare big win. Yeah, it just seems, and I, I don't know, I get it. And I appreciate that like this is a, it is serialized in that there is consistency to these characters. But at the same time, sure, it sort of allows for you to have another crutch. It's like, oh, we need something bad to happen. Uh, right. Let's go around the table. Let's turn the, turn the MS dial yeah, like, up let, a little bit. To, yeah, exactly. To mine the drama out of it. You're it's like, right. Poochie good for everybody? Yeah. 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 It's like, uh, and, you know, they're all a little too happy right now. Let's just tweak that MS knob a little bit. And there we <laughs> yeah. go. We got it. So, I mean, and th- that is supposed to be, I don't, other other than sort of like the understanding that this is, and, and frankly, I think I mentioned this maybe when I was posting the other day about something where it's like it is obvious now that Joe Biden's central campaign messaging is subtly um, nodding to and preparing people for the idea that it is more of a um, movement than a man. Which right, that, you know, he's he's not going to do anything himself. It will be all the people we surround him with and Kamala and, which, you know, all that which kind of crap. In other less cynical circumstances, I would be all about because, frankly, yes, that is what we did with the Bernie campaign. It was 
Right. It should not be exactly. about a, one it's man. It's about your policy. You know, not me, us. It's about all that. Yeah, the people stuff. that support you. But in this case, it's just extremely cynical because you can you can almost smell that the campaign staff understands that a motherfucker might die in office. Like, right, uh, and that they're you know that he is a a very short term solution for just getting rid of Trump, and then at that point they're just gonna replace him with you know the natsec blob, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and you know and Kamala's school to prison pipeline, and and you know they're just gonna throw him out as soon as he's a- achieved their purpose of getting Trump out. Uh, they'll just effectively either work around him uh, or wait for him yeah. to die. And I mean, to sort of see that parallel written into this show like this is like, wow, you know, they. Right. But in theory, we care about Barney. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the that's the difference yes. <laughs> because he's played by Martin Sheen and we and we like Martin Sheen and Martin Sheen does a good job of selling the charisma of this fictional man. Yeah. And, you know, it's fictional. <laughs> that being the right. most important yeah. part. <laughs> Again, um, so yeah. Uh, any any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, I think up? that's about all I had for this episode. So let's uh, yeah, let's take a brief break. Let's uh, and take our final break, and then we'll come back and cool. wrap up. about all for the episode this week um i would like to note that we have had some interesting like sort of our show west wing tangential news popping up in that the race between joseph kennedy the third you know mr <laughs> mr Watermouth, mr water redhead, <laughs> and uh ed markey in massachusetts where they had an official west wing alum endorsement for the good side of the race ed markey the incumbent we like him um, Marley Matlin came out with a message, um, who plays, right. um, who plays in the, in the, in the show. She plays Joey Lucas. Yes. So who we endorsed, just saw in the, uh, debate prep episode. Yep. Or and she endorsed camp. our boy. And Yay. also thanks to again, Gradenko, the, our friend from the Philippines on the something awful forums, um, rock the vote is still around. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and, they, and apparently they got Little John. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just so so much hello, fellow kids energy. Oh, like, oh my god, uh, I, unbelievable! For Joe Biden of all fucking yeah, people, of all people, the the Christ. shambling corpse the of a man, shambling corpse of the crime bill writer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, that that pretty much does it for uh, this episode. Um, as always, we appreciate uh, posts like that that we uh, just shouted out. And any other comments, feedback you want to give us, etc. on either of our threads. Uh, if you found the show a different way, hello, welcome. Uh, and you can email the show a question, a comment, a concern, um, or just some nice comments if you want uh, at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, 
And that about does it for this episode. The next episode basically continues straight on from this one. I'm not going to look up the episode title, but in my mind, when I was thinking about the election night episode, I was actually recalling some of the events from the next episode. Uh, For example, Bruno comes back and talks about, like, all the, you know, how much ass he kicked in the election, basically, uh, since Bruno is the most competent (laughs) person they have on the team. (laughs) Uh, So I'm excited to dig into that next time. Uh, on another episode of The Worst Wing. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye. Send all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along.